This is episode four of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast, part two with D'Amico Freeman. Like even Native American percussion, like buffalo drums and gathering drums, like their existence is resistance. They're, the fact that they, that they are here today is because they have resisted cultural annihilation tooth and nail like people died died and gave life to like keep that alive and like to find ways to innovate it and to sneak it in when it was kind of like trying to be like squashed out you're listening to the music therapy chronicles a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. This is part two of our episode with D'Amico. In our last episode, we heard about D'Amico's journey into music therapy, as well as how he stimulates his own personal growth and how that ties into his music therapy practice. In this episode, we talk more about the history of percussion instruments, why it's important for us to know the history of these instruments when using them, as well as knowing about the cultures that we interact with every day and being respectful of those cultures and learning from them in a respectful way. So I hope you enjoy this episode. D'Amico has so many wonderful insights that he shares and Really take your time, I think, to, to listen to this and to digest as much of it as possible. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes, and I would love to read some reviews at the other end of this episode. Also, find us on Facebook and join our group so we can continue the conversation about these episodes there. For anyone who hasn't, or even who has seen your presentation, where where is a good place to start? <laughs> where is a you good know? place to start, like yeah. about about functional percussion? Yeah, where do we look? What do we do? Um, well, I, I think a great a great place to start is listening. I mean, as as music music therapists, as musicians, as therapists, like we always have to start with listening. If you're not like, if you're not listening, then like you're not really like doing the work, right? You can't know what to do with your client if you're not listening to them in the first place. If you're not listening, not just with your ears, with your eyes, with your body, with all of your senses, like listening and allowing to be receptive. So recordings, um, Balatundi. Sorry, um, the, it says silence all things. It's an alarm. Um, Balatundi Olatunji. <laughs> Um, 
Drums of Passion is, is a great, um, you know, that that recording came out in, I think, the 50s. Um, and it's, it's still selling to this day. It's, it's definitely seen as like, it's definitely seen as like a, a very important recording. And then once you go from uh, Olatunji, if you're looking for, you know, West, West African percussion, like djembe, stuff like that, then uh, you start listening to like Mamadi Keita, Famadou Kanate, um, uh, Bolakata uh, Kande. Like these guys are like really good, like really, really good at their craft. And then if you start watching them, um, you will see that like even sometimes I listen to their stuff now, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like I do not like. You, okay, this is the rhythm, but like I sometimes I get lost in the sauce, and so listening. So on the on the on the on the conga side, then you look at like Tito Puente, uh, Chano Pozo. Um, you you start listening to the music. You try you start finding. You just basically Google, use Google the device that we have right now, which is miles above itself, and like you know, Google. I want to learn djembe, who are traditional djembe, like who are the masters, like masters of this instrument, masters of that. Like start listening to the masters um, and, 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 and then let your vine grow from that and then start playing around with yourself. You know, Kalani, um, by all means, has, has a lot of work. He's, he's covered a lot of work in, in terms of like, you know, like different types of percussion. Like he's got like this world groove thing. And like, you know, I am, he and I talk about, have talked about this. I'm kind of like, I think we need more, more knowledge, acknowledging like, you know, all the, the nuances of the, of the tradition, like make sure we're paying homage to them. Um, but he has a lot of, a lot of resources. So they're out there. There's a, uh, there's a program, I think it's called the, uh, music therapy drumming. Um, which you know they're they're talking about these things, so it, it's it's out there. Um, start taking classes, like look for classes in your area. Like I was really surprised when I left North Carolina and came out to Philadelphia and started playing traditional percussion with people and like got into like the culture and started seeing who's playing where. Uh, I mean, I went out to San Diego and did this this uh, two week uh, workshop with Mamadi Keita and this guy named Bill. Uh, I think his last name is Schmidt. I can't, I can't, I might be mispronouncing his name, but uh, Bill was out there with like crushing this white guy. He was like playing like phenomenally well. He's like, Mama, he's like, this is my son. And it's just like, and uh, I remember like Manez being like, you know, uh, from people who don't grow up in culture, like Bill can play that, that guy can play djembe. And like seeing him, like, wow. And then found out he was in North Carolina. <laughs> like, <laughs> I came all the way up here, and like there was somebody like really close to me, and so like it's there, like wherever you are in the world, it, it, it takes a little bit of digging, but it's no further than two hours from you. And, but because it's not mainstream, it's not pop music, it's not like what's being marketed, like it, it's, it's cultural hubs where people, it's communities basically who are coming together, who are interacting with each other, who are talking to each other so they know. And so the only way to kind of like find out is like to bump into somebody and like 
find it, like, start looking online, Facebook, like, start finding out where these classes are and, like, just show up. Get in the cold water. Just show up. It's not going to kill you. And this keeps showing up, keeps showing up, keeps showing up. And then you get the benefits. People, it, it, I, I feel like a lot of folks, like, I, I feel this predominantly white. Um, and so a lot of folks kind of have this, like, but I'm a white person. Um, I, I can't be in these spaces. Like, what if they, you know, get over that. Like, just get into the cold water. Like, get into the ocean where it's painful and it hurts your body. And get in there and, like, let let it speak for itself. Because it's also by saying, it's a weird thing that by saying, like, oh, I'm not welcoming these spaces. Like they're going to view me as this. They're going to view me as that. Is it a, as appropriator? Is you know, you know, someone who's just trying to steal from their culture? But like, if that's your agenda, then yeah, you're going to get people are really good at feeling people out. And if 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 the agenda is just to go in, take a little like a little nugget, a little goodie grab bag, or like a little like I just need a little a little knickknack, a little like a little shiny thing, then I'm going to go back and I'm like, do my groups. I'm like, look, everybody, this is this thing. Everybody, we're going to do this. Everybody sit down now. And the kid's like, oh, F you, man. And then he's like, oh, it would really help you. Like, I went to this class. and You know, yeah, you're going to get that backlash, not only from your clients, but you're going to get it from the, the community that you just tried to, to, to rob, essentially. But if, if you're showing up every class, and you're putting in the work, like you're doing the work, you're showing up, you're studying on your own, you're asking questions, like you're curious, like I have never seen, I have never seen it. I've never seen it happen. I've never seen it happen. I I do know that there are people who are purists, but when it when it comes down to it, like People who are showing up and putting in the work, Mommy says, Jimbe knows no color, knows no gender. All it knows is, are you playing? Are you playing me? Do you show up every day? Do you have a relationship with me? Do you have a relationship? And so you start building a relationship with communities who play that music. You start showing up as much as you can. Um, you start reinvesting back in the community. You start like saying, all right, like you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not the one to lead this this drumming thing, this drumming workshop. But I seen these guys playing. Hey guys, do you want to come lead this this community music and thing that I got going on? Like I see you playing. It's it's a little bit of money in it for you, maybe like three hundred dollars, five hundred, a thousand, whatever. Like I'm gonna pay you to come out and do this thing. You start reinvesting and like this give and take, this reciprocity that happens. And you're gonna learn. You're gonna grow. You're gonna build relationship, friends. You'll get new family, but so as you start listening, you start looking for it, like he who knocks, the door shall be open. Right? And so like you start looking for that, like where is it? Where is it? Like is like the way our brain works, like we look, we find what we're looking for. Period. Like if you're looking for that, if you're looking for a red pair of shoes, you'll find a red pair of shoes. Like the reticular activating system, right? Like it filters out everything except exactly what you need. And so when you start saying, I'm looking for this, you start finding it. You start seeing it everywhere. Um, and so I, I think that is, the, that is the step that people need to take whenever they want, they want to develop their, their percussion skills. Like start, start listening to the music, start looking at resources that we have inside the field, 
but then step out the field and go to the roots, go to the traditional cultures and like start immersing yourself in being that that new baby who doesn't understand the language, who's just babbling, talking, people like, I can't understand you, baby, but you're so cute. And like <laughs> just through all those like those those ego hurts of like, oh, like I'm going through some ego hurts right now learning about a new culture of, of percussion. Like I just feel like dumb. I feel dumb. But like I'm that's a good indicator that like I'm acknowledging that I don't know something. Like I just spin the feeling. So yeah. Like look for the look for the sources. If you live in those, one of those musical cities like Berkeley, uh, like up, up, like in Massachusetts, um, um, what's that? Boston. Boston. <laughs> what? If you live in Boston, man, like it is there. Like oh my gosh, they have a huge camp there. Camp for 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 out, I believe. Like it is a huge like it is there. Like if you live in Massachusetts. There's no excuse. Um, you stay around the D.C. area, the Baltimore area, no excuse. You stay in San Diego, Los Angeles. If you within, like, two miles of those places, Colorado, like, um, it's there. Arizona, it's there. Louisiana, it's in every state. It's in every state. You just have to look for it. Yeah. So for anyone listening, that's your call to action. Look for it. You're aware of it now. Look for it. Find it near you. Get involved. Get yeah. in the water. Yeah, get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> the reoccurring theme. Yeah. So give us, because um, most, most people, to my understanding, in their undergrad, uh, the percussion training is is more of like an ed perspective. Um, you know, uh, snare, marimba it's not it's not what we use in a clinical session so can you give us the proper pronunciation of the drums we usually use and then some history about each one because you are a wealth of knowledge with all that stuff oh thanks so uh i guess one of the the more common ones that we use is uh like thinking about like djembe um d-j-e-m-b-e or j-e-m-b-e like the D in front is kind of like kind of seems like the French spelling. What happened when French kind of like went in and colonized a bunch of like Western Africa. Um, but Jimbe, um, Anka J, Anka Bay, uh, is like the original name for the drum, which means uh, gather together and peace come together. Um, and that drum is coming from uh, West Africa, from Mali, Guinea, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, um, that that area um, of West Africa, and the drum itself is was the woman's drum, and she gave it to a man and said, you know, play this, make me happy. I'm doing all the festivals, I'm clapping, I'm organizing, I'm cooking the food. Like you can play this drum, like, and so. That's how it came into the is it, the djembe isn't just like the man's instrument and it's not a class instrument like it's not specific to any class where it's like other instruments in that in that area maybe like you know this is for the griots this is for the storytellers the historians like this is for this family of of like this lineage like plays these drums you know um, so it's it's an open it's an open drum for everyone like you know three tones bass tone and slap. Um, 
I feel like that that drum itself has found itself kind of all around in in America, the djembe. Um, the conga, like like an ice cream cone, not a conga, but a conga. Um, as is a as an Afro-Cuban instrument. I say Afro to kind of acknowledge like its roots coming from Africa, because there's other drums in Africa, like the ngoma, that kind of like have this similar shape, this similar like aesthetic. Like everything's connected. Like just look at the world, look at the globe, and how like. As a kid, I used to be like, look, I can push them together. Even as a kid, like, I can push. Yeah, that's what we call Pangea. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so everything is connected. Like, the way the brain works and creating sound and things like that. Like, the Doombat kind of has, like, this same, like, kind of shape of, like, there's a djembe. Like, you know, and so knowing that things kind of, like, find their way back and forth. So uh, the conga, there, I said this, as a, like, these drums, djembe, conga, uh, Brazilian percussion, um, like even Native American percussion, like buffalo drums and gathering drums, like their existence is resistance. They're, the fact that they, that they are here today is because they have resisted cultural annihilation tooth and nail. Like people died, died, gave life to like keep that alive and like to find ways to innovate it and to sneak it in when it was kind of like trying to be like squashed out, you know? Um, like the Stono Rebellion in South Carolina, there's a slave code, I think it's like 1740, something like that. Um, but like they, they basically outlawed drums. Like anyone found playing, basically all instruments, drums, like it was outlawed. Like you were, you were punished. And if you were a slave owner, and then you allowed your slaves to play drum, and you were punished, and they were punished. Like, you know, you were fined, and they were punished. And it was funny, because, like, if you didn't know that history, like, Philadelphia, like, last year, like, a year and a half ago, tried to introduce this bogus behind law, but it was, like, you know, trying to stop people from playing buckets, like, the, the kids playing their drum line, like, walking down the street doing their drum line thing. It was trying to outlaw that. And people were like, whoa. Like this is this is too reminiscent. Like this is like this is that bull of like trying to squash a culture because it, it brings your property value down and your and your bourgeois neighborhood to see these young black kids not hurting anybody, actually doing something positive. So you want to take it away from them, and then when you take it away from them, what what happens? Then say, look, now you're at risk. oh that's not funny but like it's a yep it's funnily sad and infuriating like you just have to laugh at it right it's like oh so you take away the thing they love to do they weren't hurting anybody and now that they starting to like get into trouble now they come at risk but they were doing just they were doing just fine so knowing that stuff so the 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 conga had this journey where when it was being outlawed to play drums like, across in different places, like um, and to play an African drum, which is a, a drum made of a solid piece of wood, right? So they started playing on shipping crates and um, dresser drawers. I don't know, you can't really hear that a little rattle, like dresser drawers and like off a of, like you know off a of ship. And that's where the cajon kind of came from, right? That little box everyone's sitting on, like just making this thing making a big, a big wah, wah, wah. It's like, that drum is like the, the great 
grandfather of, of the conga. And, and it was kind of coming from this, like, if we get caught playing drums, we're going to get in trouble. But if we just have these shipping crates around, they're just shipping crates. Like, so then I, we have this wine barrel, this staved wine barrel for, like, storing beer and stuff like that. You know what we do? We just stretch a skin over that, put some nails in it, boom, get to work, have the bembe right here, boom. We used to have our cultural thing right now. Doom, doom, doom. Somebody come, you can rip that off, it just becomes a wine barrel again. So it's hiding. Like these drums were hiding in the faces of the very people. That's like capoeira, the, the, uh, the martial art um, from Brazil. Like that, well, not from Brazil, like. It's, it's also an African thing that was brought over. And like, so they, they were, it just looked like they were dancing. Like people just assumed they were just dancing. The slave owner thought, oh, we'll we let them do their dance. But when the resistance kicked off and the revolt kicked off, those dances, those, those backflips were with knives and hands, you know, like, so now that, that, that fancy dance became like a slashing, you know, it, it became this tool of like, my culture will liberate me from your chains of oppression. And this kind of knowing that, like the, the Remo Buffalo drum that's coming around, that's made out of plastic. I love Remo. I love Remo for his vision of, of like having a, like Babatunde had a vision of having a drum in every house, like there was a piano in every house. And Remo had this thing where like, you know, just because I don't, I'm not Michael Jordan, doesn't mean I, I shouldn't play basketball. Like, I'm not MJ, but I still got a basketball hoop. I still shoot threes. I still like, I'm not Steph Curry, but I'm still like, I'm still draining them in my backyard. I'm still going to the gym with my friends. I can still have a basketball and not be a professional basketball player. Why can I have a drum and not be, you know, uh, not be Giovanni Hidalgo? Like, why, why, why do I, like, you know, why can I have that? Right? And so, but the thing was, it wasn't accessible because you didn't know how to tune the thing. If you don't know how to pump your basketball up, then you ain't shooting no hoops. <laughs> and, and so, like, Remo had this thing where he made the drums, like, you know, easy to tune. Like, you can be, it's raining out here right now. I remember once I had a little Remo drum. I was standing, pouring down the rain, playing my drum. Oh, the early years. Oh, i never forget it. Um, but I couldn't do that with my traditional drum. It starts raining. And my traditional drum is like, I'm headed for the house. I am, it's over, we're done playing, it was nice, we're done, we're done. First couple of drops come out, we're not waiting to see if it's going to downpour. All right, we're done, All right? So Remo makes it accessible because changing the heads of those things, it's a, it's a task. And the common person isn't going to put forth the work to learn that. So Remo made a variation. And that variation, existing in medical settings, is perfect because... You're not going to, like, you can wipe it off. You can sanitize it with a bleach wipe. You can, like, you can make it sterile so that people who are sick, like, aren't at risk from, like, the microbes that exist. Because people don't want to wipe off their, 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 their rope, their traditional instrument, with bleach. Like, it, it's like wiping on your skin with bleach every day. It damages your skin. And so, like, having a way to, like, make it accessible to people is great. And, and, and like, but knowing that, like, that's the variation. So the buffalo drum... It's the same thing. Like it's got, it's a plastic drum, but originally that drum was made out of buffalo skins. That's why it's called a buffalo drum, and they sound completely different. They sound so different. Like that synthetic djembe sounds a lot different than a traditional djembe. 
there's been strides, like huge strides in like the synthetic world like of, of, of conga heads. Like they sound really good now. I've heard some of them, they sound great. I seen a brother of mine who I respect very, very well and he was playing some synthetics. I was like, yo, I need to think about that. Like that's a sound investment. That sounds good. And you don't have to worry about the the humidity getting into it and like getting out of tune. And and so I, I say that to be like just kind of knowing like like Remo has made some variations, but knowing the culture, like that drum is coming from resistance. And if we lose, if music therapy lose out, like just kind of knowing like this is a Cuban drum and like coming out of Havana and like like Roomba and like Juan Juan Cole, like all this stuff is kind of like, is how that instrument, like the, the dance is like uh, Puerto Rico, like Bomba, they have a, a, another drum. Uh, it's, it's basically like a barrel and uh, I'm going to butcher my Spanish, so I'm not going to do that. Barrio. Um, but it's, it's, just, it's a barrel and it looks the same as a conga, but it's not. It's, 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 it's got more girth to it and it's got a completely different sound. It's for playing Bomba. Or like or plano, like once you start seeing like that circle, like the the buffalo drum is like this circle, like the duff, the uh, Arabic duff is a circle, the the tambourine is a circle, um, the pandero is a circle. You start seeing like that across cultures, like everybody has just like a drum that's just like it's just a circle, and it fits in my hand. I can carry it around with me, and I can I can hit it plano. It's like that, and so you start like learning those um, those cultures from like um, from where they come from. Like, so you start with the pandero, and you say, "Oh, look, this is how this is played in Brazil. Um, this is samba. Like, these are the drum, these are the instruments of samba." And then you say, "Oh, look, that kind of looks like a pandero. Oh, no, this is a plena, um, and and, and it, it has a different technique. It has different rhythms, and so and that's coming from um, from Puerto Rico, and that that instrument was kind of seen as like the mailman, it was basically like a way of like saying like when people came here playing a plane, they were like telling what has just happened. It was like spreading the news. Like people coming, there's like all these stories and songs that kind of came that that are, are inherent to the instrument. And so can you imagine what it would be like to be a you know a a person from from from, from Puerto Rico um, after being displaced from the hurricane? And then having a music therapist come in and and have a, a planner and just be like just playing it randomly, like without any like context, or like or have a conga and say this is a conga, it's it's coming, it's an African drum, and like just kind of like butchering the, the the history, and then like how that feels as a as a as a, as a human, like the watch or like it's like why I, I use this example a lot. It's like looking at like. Your grand, say your grandmother made dresses, right? She was a she was a renowned dressmaker, and like this is a dress that she made for herself for her wedding day. And you went to the Met in New York, and and you've seen your grandmother's dress hanging up there, and it was just like European dress. You're gonna have some feelings, especially as you know, like, no, that's my grandmother's. No, not the Met, the MoMA. You go to MoMA. I don't know what the Met is. That's like the Opera House, right? I'm not sure. I think so. 
Um, but the going to a museum and seeing like your your family's like legacy kind of like hanging up for display. I, I just think that we run the risk of doing that by not doing like knowing those little things, like the planner coming from Puerto Rico, and like so. Imagine the same scenario. You know that you actually have like did a songwriting experience um, on your own time that tells a story of the hurricane, right? And you bring that and you say, look, can, group, can you all take this instrument and you're just going to play this. And I'm going to take this one and I'm going to do, I'm going to do some improvisation, but I'm going to tell this story about this event. Whoa. Now you're like, now you're talking my culture. Like now you're like, now you're now you're fusing fusing cultures together. Like now you're saying like this is a practice that we use. This is a music therapy practice that has like incorporated different cultures by learning about. So if you have an instrument, just just start digging around. Like you know, going through. Like ask. Like email me. Ask ask around. Like you know, how is this? What what's the history here? Sometimes I know. Sometimes I don't. And I like I don't know. My buddy had this long log drum. He got for his for his birthday, and they, they brought it from a museum. He's like, "Yo, like, what is this? What is this drum?" I was like, "I do not know." He's like, "It looks African." I was like, "It's not." Like, <laughs> I can tell you that much. It's not that, but like, you know, the the first thing everybody says is like, "You see a drum? Oh, it's African." You forget like, Taiko, like all cultures have a drum. So, just because it's a drum, don't make it African. Yeah. Yeah, that cultural awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. Sometimes I feel like our scope of practice is just so wide. It's so big. There's so much to keep up with. It's it's overwhelming. But yeah. yeah. nonetheless, all of it is so important. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and to be fair, like, there's no way you can know it all. Right. So a lot of folks like, you know, just to know the basic, just to know what to call a thing and where it comes from, it's a big deal. It's like me knowing your name, knowing where you're from. And it's very, it's very basic. Like if I get your birthday in there, I'm really doing something. Like if I, like, if I know a little bit about your family, then I'm, I'm really going somewhere. But like just to know, like, this is you, this is this drum, this is where it's from, it means a lot. It, it at least shows that. And then, you're going to have some things that, like, they really speak to you. And those things that speak to you, like, you go deep in them. You, 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 you go deeper. You have a conversation and you grow and then the relationship evolves and then you, you just keep it with you. So how often in sessions do you give background information or a little history lesson or how often do you infuse that into your sessions or is it something you kind of keep in your mind of how to more traditionally incorporate the instruments it depends on who i'm working with it it really depends on who i'm working with excuse me yeah with the adolescent i drop it like all the time like just kind of like casually oh these maracas oh latin american instrument you know or, you know, or, or that, that gym right here, that's djembe. That's West African instrument. And I just, like, I just kind of, like, 
I don't make a big thing. I just like kind of say this, 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 and I just keep moving. Say, oh, this drum right here, this big drum. Yeah, I want to get that big drum. It's called a surdo. Can you say that? Like, yes, yeah, surdo. Yeah, in Portuguese that means deaf because even the deaf can hear it because they feel that. Oh, really? Drum means deaf. Yo, you heard that, man? Well, it means deaf. And they just boom, boom, boom. Yo, I feel that drum. It's like, yeah. And so they start having this like little thing. So I'm dropping it all the time with the kids. And, and with the adults too, I just kind of like this because they want to know. But I, I ran into like this like resistance once at a conference, and like um, uh, uh, my colleague Todd, he was like, "But what about for the client? Like, how important is this for the client um, to know this information? You know, if I'm working with a kid along the spectrum." Um, but he said, "How important is it for music therapists to know, right? If we're working with this population?" And I was like, "You need to know." Now, your client might not need to know because they are just into the tactile sense, but like you don't get that right anymore. Once you got that title and you're bringing that drum into different spaces, like you lost the right to be ignorant to what you have, period. Like your client can be ignorant. Your client, like the common person walking down the street, they can be ignorant to like what it is. But like you as a clinician, like you lost that right when you signed up for the degree, when you got the piece of paper, when you say you're going to start working with people with different cultures, like you lost the right to cultural ignorance, period, from, from all populations. You no longer get the right to be ignorant about issues around LGBTQ. You no longer get the right to be ignorant about racism. You do not have that right anymore. It is your ethical responsibility to educate yourself about what is happening to the cultures that you're working with and what is impacting them around. Like, if you're working with women, you better know what's happening in, in, the, in the sphere, like what's affecting their emotional, spiritual, physical well-being. You need to know. We need to know. So, like, yeah. But do you need to share it all the time? Hmm. Like, is it appropriate? So it sometimes it doesn't come up. Some days I come in and they're playing. We're just playing. And I just let us just play. You know, but in my mind, I'm still listening. I was like, oh, that's funny. They are actually playing that rhythm, like, without even knowing they're playing that rhythm. Like, that's so cool. Like, gosh, I can't believe. Like, is it that universal? Like, is rhythm that universal? A group of kids just started playing a traditional rhythm from West Africa. Like, it's a, it's a variation, but, like, that's the rhythm. That's cool. Or like, oh look, I can't believe they're playing like they're doing playing a little. They're like they're playing like they're improvising and dancing, but like they're doing it. Like, oh look at them dancing to like how each one plays. Like, oh they're doing like they own but they don't but I'm I'm peeping it, like, oh that's that's and so then I can like sculpt it a little bit. Like I can like enhance it actually, like by knowing like just kind of unconsciously, like, this is what's, what's being speak, But I don't ever have to say, oh, you know what you're really doing? Let me, like, now it's time to, like, to break the, the, the therapeutic the cycle that's happening. For some education, like, a little, like, PBS special break-in. Like, the more you know. Like, and then, <laughs> you know, like, G.I. Joe used to come in and do those things. <laughs> um, so, like, no, nah, it's not coming up all the time. And, like, when he was saying like kids along the spectrum, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I didn't think about that. Like, or or, or kids who uh, who have an intellectual disability, and like they're just it's just really a tactile thing. Yeah, the, but you. But then again, 
you don't know. We don't know like what their experience is. And so we're making an assumption that like, oh, they don't care. But what's 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 it hurt to kind of say a name? Oh, the Jimbe. Yeah. Just to give it a name. And if they go with it, then you know you you have opened a whole new avenue. Right. That's, that's something they're super into. Yeah, you can get into that more with all of the equipment instruments you have. Right. That's you true. You might open up their world. <laughs> mhm. That's true. Yeah. And earlier you said um you know, you don't need to know everything. And then later you said, but you need to know about the people you're working with. And I think that that's really well put. You know, I, I'm not going to Puerto Rico right now to help people who uh, experience the hurricane. Mm-hmm. So I might not need to know all that information, but I do need to know about the people I'm working with. And the person in Puerto Rico needs to know about the people they're working with. <laughs> right. So yeah, you it makes need, it a you little need to less, know. Yeah. It makes it a little less overwhelming, a little, a little more palatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Are you ready to move into some rapid fire questions? Sure, sure, sure. Alrighty. You um the questions are short, but your answers don't have to be. I'm gonna make them short because I'm I'm long winded. Oh, you're good. The first one the first couple are like a warm up. Uh so coffee or tea? Neither. But ah. I, I think I would Yeah, I don't I'd go tea. Tea. <laughs> well you don't have to. It could be neither. I mean I if I had to choose neither. I would I would choose tea, but like I don't really deal with either one of them are you just like water and milk or soda yep. only water. Or? i just drink a lot of water yeah good for you good for you early bird or night owl oh gosh i am i am, I am going through both extremes i've been i've been trying to wake up at 5 30 uh at least 5 30 every morning but trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock but sometimes stretching it to like 12 and then like still trying to get up at five and like you know once you're up for 10 minutes and you're up but like yeah it's been tough yeah, so I think right now I'm trying to move myself into like being a morning person, like waking up, getting into a morning rhythm with everything's waking up at this time, I'm trying to wake up with the world. Um, but, you know, for the longest time I was like a night person, but I wasn't getting anything done. I was just like being up, like eating junk food and watching garbage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can relate to that too. Um, something you would tell your younger self. you're okay it's like it's a process like man i try not to like start crying on him like at the end like yeah my longer my younger self like there's so many variations of my younger self like my high school self i was like yo it's not that big of a deal like it's it's so it's okay like it's it's perfectly fine don't sweat it like that's the biggest thing like you know we get so worked up about High school emotions and like teenage emotions are real, but like in the big scheme of things, like I would probably no. On a on a flip note, I would tell my younger self like follow that little itch you had about investing in the stock market, and nobody knew what to say, nobody knew how to do it. Like you invest, you go. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of things. Those are good. Uh, your music therapy elevator speech. My music therapy, the elevator speech. Um, yeah. I facilitate and co-create therapeutic music, music experiences for diverse ages and communities that empower, connect, and heal our inner and outer selves. Um, so I just I use music to as my as my as my tool instead of my words. 
Wow. You've used that one before, I'm assuming, because that came right out. Or I have it wrote down on the business card. Oh, do you? <laughs> I should have guessed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> awesome. Um, your favorite self-care practice? Uh, my favorite self-care practice? Drinking water and gardening. Um, I, I love those things. And washing my hair. I really like washing my hair. <laughs> good for you. Okay. Something that's currently adding value to your life. My children. Aw. Yeah, they're adding a lot of value. I'm li- I'm waiting for one of them to show up right now. That's what I'm kind of like looking out the window. Like they're they're adding a a lot of value to my life because they're 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 just constantly like stripping me of of my of my ego. Like they're constantly checking my ego, and it's really painful. But like. They add a lot of value to my life. I definitely wouldn't be talking to you right now if, like, if they didn't enter in the world. Like, I was given a gift for them to come through me. So, yeah, they definitely have given me value. Good one. Your favorite intervention? That might be an obvious one, but if not. Um, yeah, that, like, you know, drumming is my one of my favorite interventions. It doesn't always, it's not always my client's favorite. Um, but one of the little things that like I've learned is like I've come to like kind of really do and like kind of work with and like own. It's a little thing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a, a music therapy intervention, but it's like a getting into the experience. Whenever I have like teenagers or kids who want to select instruments or like select songs to hear, and I don't want to do the like, oh I said it first, I said it first, oh I signed in first, like you don't like me anymore, like you never picked me first. I don't want to do that game. I just get a deck of cards. And like I like start from like the big joker, the little joker, like the fresh deck, and then go all the way up to to twelve through all the suits, ace. I mean, not through all the suits, through the whole suit, and then I fan them out and let them pick randomly. So if I have eight people, then I have eight cards. I let them pick randomly, and so it's it's. And I say this is me being fair because I know that I would not. I will start picking the kid who you know I always like or like that kid who's always quiet who really wants to go I will I will ignore them because I'm human I won't think that they care I start thinking like people don't care so when I fan out the cards and do it that way it's great and then like they select their instrument they select their song like that to me is like it is an intervention because it keeps me honest with with the process I think that's a great idea Oh, I'm going to use that. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, Definitely. like, that one right there is, like, been, like, a... At first, like, we don't like... They, they start kind of, like, they bucket for a little bit because that's what they do. But, like, once it's going, they, they use it. Yeah. 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 All right. So where can listeners find you, connect with you, learn more from you, all that? Um, A couple of places. Well, I got a, uh, a website that I'm trying to launch here in the next week or two, hopefully by the end of the month. Um, it's Community Song and Rhythm. That'd be, um, it's actually Com S R C O M S R. I'm not gonna be able to see this. It's gonna be backwards. Um, but I'm gonna launch a web page, Community Song and Rhythm, um, and then I'm gonna start doing my little podcast thing. So right now I'm kind of ghost. So the best I don't exist in like in the world in terms of like social media other than my my own Facebook page, um, which is Miko Freeman. Um, so if you add me on there, I'm, I'm going to have some, some, some things coming down the pipeline pretty soon. Awesome. I'm really excited for all yeah. that. <laughs> Say it again. 
I'm excited for all that. Oh, to, thank you for being. Um, you're actually an inspiration to me because you're you're doing you're doing a thing. This is a great get in the water. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. So you thank are you. doing. Yeah, there's no trying. You're doing. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you uh giving the time and being a part of this project and sharing. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Really truly. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second half of my conversation with D'Amico. The information he shared about the history of these instruments does not even scratch the surface of his own knowledge. So keep an eye out on the resources he is developing on the interwebs uh, to learn more from him, as well as checking out the other resources he mentioned, because he's so right that it is all of our responsibility as professionals to look into and learn about these things and be aware of the different cultural elements and instrumental elements that we are using in our sessions every day and to use them in a respectful and appropriate way. Please join our group on Facebook, leave a review on iTunes, and I look forward to talking to you guys again in the next episode. Bye now. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. If you're interested in being on an episode or have someone in mind that we should interview, please let us know by emailing us at feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Thanks again for tuning in.